Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. sponsor of today's episode is Indeed. No successful entrepreneur is an island. It takes a core team of trusted advisors to help build a business from the ground up. When it comes to hiring, leave it to the experts. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. So don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. I know exactly how hard that can be and Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. They help you every step of the way. You can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed's Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. And with Instant Match, for example, as long as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of qualified candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can even invite them to reply right away. So I've used Indeed before, checked it out. I highly recommend it. It's very simple to use. And with Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who see it in search, according to Indeed data. In my opinion, by far the best place to go find somebody for your job. So get started right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash SPI. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash SPI. Indeed.com slash SPI. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. So it's one thing to create online courses and how you create them matters, of course, but it's a whole nother thing to go, well, how do we get people interested in them? How do we get people to find them? How do we launch them? Do we do a fireworks launch or do we do a fireplace launch? What does that even mean? Well, we're going to talk about all those things and more today with one of my favorite people in the world, she has actually been on the podcast before over five and a half years ago. That was in episode 229. And back then, she was a blogger, writer, brand strategist, would help people with websites. Now she's become one of the top people over at Teachable. And she co-leads creator launch initiatives right now. She was head of partnerships for a while and one of the smartest people I know in that world. Her name is Jessica Tork, and you could find her in this episode. And of course, at Teachable, and we have so many resources to share with you, including something called the Creators Guild. And all these links and everything we're mentioning today is gonna be on the website, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 521. I'm so excited because Jess is here today and she's just amazing. Jessica Katork from Teachable. So sit back, strap in, because this is gonna be awesome. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, his longest camera lens is over 18 inches long, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to session 521 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. And I'm really excited for this one, especially because, as you know, 
We're here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And there's no better way that I can imagine doing all three of those things than with something like an online course. And online courses, thanks to Teachable. Teachable is the platform we use to host all, I think we have 10 courses now. It's crazy. We have so many, and we have over 120,000 students who've gone through those courses. That's both paid and free courses. And it's been one of the best business decisions we've made since 2017. It's accounted for nearly $5 million in sales. And today we're talking with Jess from Teachable, Jessica Katork, and you could find her on social media and we'll have all the links on the show notes page, which I'll mention again at the end. But yo, she brings it today. And if you are ever, ever going to launch an online course or if you've launched them before, and honestly, even if you launch anything, you're gonna wanna pay attention to this episode. It's so fantastic. So I'm gonna stop talking. Let's get into the interview. Here she is. Jess, welcome back to Smart Passive Income. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me back. Uh, this is crazy. We were saying this before. This is a full circle moment, but I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> for sure, because the last time you were on, it was episode 229, which was years ago, and you were doing so many amazing things, and now you're doing even more amazing things. Can you give us a quick update on what you're doing, where you're at now, what's going on in your life? So this is a crazy story. If you haven't listened to episode 229, uh, I reached out to Pat using a video pitch. Posted it on Facebook. I was just saying thank you for the work that he's done. And what's crazy, Pat, is so after I shared it, a few people started sharing it on Facebook, as you saw. And one of the people that reached out to me after that video was Encore, who is the CEO of Teachable. And he just sent me a message on Facebook. He's like, hey, you know, not sure if you've heard of Teachable, but how would you like to live in New York for a bit? And I, one, I was like, is this how people get job offers? Is this, is this legit? Is Teachable, a, you know, <laughs> legit thing? And basically what ended up happening is they invited me to meet the team for two weeks just to see if this is something that I'd be interested in. And really what's interesting is that I was already a course creator. I was already familiar with the space, but there was a part of me that was thinking there's no way that I'm going to work for another company. And I feel like maybe there's a few people in the audience that kind of had this conflict where you start to question, if I were to work for another company, can I still call myself an entrepreneur? Am I still a creator if I'm working under other people? And I really struggled with that until I met the team. And I think, I mean, you've met the team at Teachable, but it was one of those things where everything felt right about this opportunity. The, the people, the, the space that they were in, how passionate they were about helping creators. And so I said, yes. And I joined and I thought I would be there for a year. And it has been such a wild ride. And I never thought that, I mean, it's been five years now and I never thought all the things that ended up happening from that point on would have happened. So yeah, it's been a wild ride, but uh, crazy that we are back full circle <laughs> here. Yeah, and now you're back. So it was that pitch that really started this and Encore and the entire team at Teachable have been so wonderful to everyone here at Team SPI. And it's so cool to see that they 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 essentially like, headhunted you they recruited you did they give you any sense of like what was it about that pitch that attracted you to them what caught their attention did they ever tell you not specifically i think i think the biggest thing was so my role that i was stepping into was partnerships and when you're working at a startup when people don't necessarily know who you are you don't have you know connections or ways to kind of expand your reach right away i think the the way that i reached out to you showed at least that i was willing to kind of go to my comfort zone and try different things to connect with people on more, hopefully more personal level than just copy and pasting a bunch of emails. I, I think that was it. But also 
just talking with the team, I don't think they had like a specific role yet. It was more of let's see if there's something here, which you know obviously eventually end up being partnerships. It's so cool. And to see and kind of be here on this side and see all the work that you've done for them and how much more they have grown as a result of the work that you've done for them. It's been really amazing. I'm super proud of you. I am just super stoked. And I'm excited to chat more about online courses with you today because you're obviously helping creators with creating online courses. You're very much on the front face of the brand a lot in terms of how we can do this, what's working, what's not working, etc. And online courses have changed quite a bit since you came on. What are maybe the biggest or most radical changes or influxes within online courses from five years ago when you came on and kind of what you're seeing and what's trending today? This is such an interesting question. And I think, so I'm going to address the first one that I think everyone is thinking, which is cohort-based courses have seen a huge influx. And for those that are not familiar with what cohort-based courses are, it's essentially a live version of a course. So you are joining, there is a set period where the content begins. There's live instructions. There's often coaches or your um, course instructor will help guide you through to ensure that you're getting results. And that is honestly, one of the reasons why they are so impactful is because people are joining a course, they're actually following through because there is that added level of accountability. It is live, you have to show up. So that's the first one. The second one, and it kind of is in the same note, which is that I I think like at the beginning, there's a huge focus on marketing and customer acquisition. And I think that is important. Of course, if you're starting a business, you need to ensure that you have sales. But what I have seen consistently it is, it's like clockwork. We have these, I guess the best analogy would be firework and fireplace launches. So firework is those grand, huge launches, just incredible numbers, but they're very short. And then we have the fireplace launches, which are slow and steady, but more sustainable. And what we're seeing is there's a huge focus on customer acquisition, which is leading to people having these really big launches up front. It's often, I think we see these stories like the overnight successes, the six figures in first year of business. And what happens is when we're only focused on getting new customers in the door, the missing piece that well-intentioned creators often miss is customer retention. And specifically for courses, people are investing in an outcome. And when you are saying like on your sales page, at the end of this course, you're going to achieve this. It is so important that you actually see, can I measure that? Are the people that are going through this initial launch, are they actually getting to that outcome? Is it a different outcome? And when you do that, you're going to have people that are actually going to be talking about your course. They're going to be getting results. You're going to have better testimonials, but it's something that most people miss. And it's not because they're trying to scam people. It's not because they don't care about the results that their students are getting. It's just that they often don't know how to actually do that. So can you share with us how we can actually do that to ensure that people as they're coming in, they're also getting the value and seeing it all the way through to a point. And you, I agree with you, your best marketing team are those who've already taken your course, who have gotten results from it. And I mean, I, we've seen this with Power Up Podcasting and our email marketing course, people are sharing it on their own because they're getting radical results. And that's the goal. And I think that like you said, it's not intentional for people to sell a course and then like not have that happen. But how do we encourage our students or how do we encourage the creators who are creating courses to get to that point where they are in fact, you know, creating, you know, retention and community and connections after. Yeah. How do we do that? The first thing, and this is 
really what you want to do before you even start creating any content, which is that you want to get clear on what your transformation is. And what a lot of people will do is they'll create this huge outcome. So it's not like they're just creating a course on, uh, let's say, I don't know, like be your best self. It'll often be somewhat specific, like how to be confident. But what you'll find is when people start to work backwards to create the content, they either have too much content or they're not really sure what to include because being confident could mean so many different things. So the first step is really getting clear on, okay, what is the specific and hopefully measurable outcome? So example could be rather than being confident, it could be how to uh, feel confident in networking situations at conferences when you're an introvert. Uh, Five tangible strategies that you can implement when you're having a conversation with someone when you feel like you always run out of things to say. These are things where you can have a wave of students come in and really start to see, are the people getting to the end of the course and are they able to do that? So you want to determine what is success going to be like for your students. And then also looking through, what is your success rate? You could say that you have a very specific course, how to network or how to uh, five conversation starters at a conference when you're an introvert. And people are getting to the end of the course, but you're noticing that The people that get to the end of the course are achieving that, but the majority of the people aren't even getting halfway through the content. That's equally as important because even if you are delivering on your promise, you want to ensure that people are engaged. They're actually getting through it so they can achieve that. Things like getting clear on your outcome. You want to ensure that your videos are short, bite-sized videos. You really, I I would say like avoid having hour-long videos because You want to ensure that at the end of every single video that your student watches, they get to a specific outcome, a win, or a transformation. Each video should should build off of the previous one and the previous one. Even as a learner, you know, if there's an hour-long video and you have to go through and scroll through 30 or 40 minutes of content to find that one specific piece that you're looking for, that can be also challenging. Getting specific, measuring what your success rate is, and trying to improve that. Now, How do you actually improve that? Uh, One of the best things is to speak to your students. So if you don't have anyone who has paid for your course yet, have a beta launch. Um, I know you've spoken extensively about this. And what you can do is go through, have some people do your course for free, but ask them at the beginning, before they even go through the content, what is your current expectation? What are you expecting to have at the end of this course? How much time do you expect to spend on this? Things like that. So you kind of create a baseline. And then at the end of the course, ask them, what was the outcome that you achieved? Do you feel like I measured up to what I had promised you? Were there things that you struggled with? Getting really clear and like speaking to the people going through your content, you are going to learn so much about what is working. And you might even find that the outcome that people thought that they were getting was completely different to what you had intended. And then you can adjust it and tweak it from there. Could have said it better myself, the beta launch, and especially within a beta launch, the communication with those students, so, so key. That can help guide what the course will then become when you launch it publicly. It can help you fill in a lot of the holes that might be missing. And then most of all, help you empathize with the students who are struggling, who are looking to get this result from you. And that question of, well, what do you expect from this is so key. That is such a powerful question that even in conversations 
even before a course, if you are having conversations with people in your audience and we're talking about a solution, well, what do you expect out of something that you might purchase? What is it gonna ultimately give you in the end? Wow, that is that is absolutely incredible. So thank you for those tips because I think there are a lot of course creators here and future course creators here listening who can highly benefit from that. The big struggle that I know a lot of people have who have courses or are thinking about creating courses is how do we launch this thing? When we see other people launch courses, it can be very intimidating. Wow, there, I have to do a whole three video series and it looks professional and all this stuff is happening. What would be, in your opinion, the easiest way to make the biggest impact during a launch to get the right students and a good amount of students in your course? This is such a great question. You do not, I would actually highly encourage you do not spend a lot of money on creating these highly produced videos up front. What you will find, and I can say this from firsthand experience as someone who thought that the only way that my launches are going to be successful is if I have a professional video shoot, we sit down, teleprompter, all of that, is that your courses, your marketing, even your what you think your target audience is and who ends up being attracted to you is always going to change. It is always evolving even as your brand grows. And when you start things off where it's you spend a lot of money without really understanding what exactly is going on, you're going to find that you need to change things. Now, if you start small and you start with your phone camera, you start with you know your laptop, then you can start to improve things. Um, and also, you can improve on something that doesn't exist. So start small. That is the most important thing. Now, as far as like how you can have the most impact up front without having this huge marketing team or creating all these marketing funnels is I think it's important to understand who is in your audience and having them ex like express what it is that they're trying to achieve or what are their specific pain points and starting to bring that to the forefront. So what I mean by that is really reaching out to your community. And if you don't have a community, you can start posting in forums. Reddit is such an incredible platform that I think so many people sleep on. You can get very specific forums and topics and you can speak to people about what are they currently struggling with and start to see, you're going to start to see patterns with specific things that people are looking for and the way that they're describing them. Often we'll create courses or we'll try to launch products with kind of the overarching goal that we know that a lot of people in our audience want rather than seeing, okay, well, I know that maybe 20% of my audience is specifically asking for this specific thing and focusing your attention on that. The other thing too, launch in two phases. So rather than going in and creating a bunch of emails and launching it and just hoping people buy, you really want to ensure that you're having an education phase up front. That is showing people that you can help them get to an outcome. You can go live, you can go on your social, you can answer questions in forums, or if you want to make it even bigger, if you have an audience, create content. Amy Porterfield does this really well. You do this really well, where you're talking about the topic that your course is eventually going to help address throughout all of your content. So people already start to think, okay, I I didn't realize that I was interested in this topic. I want to learn more. And then when you do launch your course, it's not a surprise. That's so key. And I, just to be honest with you and everybody listening, you know, we have at Team SPI struggled a little bit with having, first of all, a library of so many products that are great, but feeling like we have to push each of them out within a certain time period, thus not allowing for that education piece to come as much as it should. And I remember when we launched Power Up Podcasting back in 2017, 2018, 
we had a whole three-week campaign. Now, that campaign was not emails every day and even announcing that there was a course up front. It was just letting people know about podcasting, letting people see that there is an opportunity, letting people know what the biggest mistakes might be, helping them determine if they were sort of interested what the best approach would be. Here are ways that people are doing it and how it's changing their lives. Then opening up the launch for the course and then that launch because of all that upfront education and inspiration and objection crushing, if you will, or neutralizing those objections that people may have had, we did a quarter million dollars in that launch. And we have not had a launch that big since, even though our audience has grown, even though our email list has grown. So just a little bit of a reality check for, for myself even, and this is something that we're already talking about changing, less launches of less courses but more pouring into our audience, more conversations, more understanding, more value up front, thus then not just proving our expertise, but then hopefully helping them understand that we can serve them and that this is a, a good opportunity for them. So we're working toward that again. And hopefully this provides a dose of reality for all of you that you know you can do even better than us. We kind of got lost in the churning out of too many products too fast. And the way we launched was just an email announcing a webinar, then the course launch, there was really nothing other than the webinar, but even then not everybody's gonna be showing up or you know, there's just one touch point out of, out of several that may need to happen. So thank you for bringing that up. And we're excited to you know, pour more into who our audience is and really getting specific, especially with regards to a lot of the brand changes that we have, changing from, hey, let us help you with everything to, hey, let us help you build your audience and go from there, which is what really what our focus is gonna be moving forward, which is gonna be really exciting. So that's really cool. What, what I love about Teachable specifically, is you always share these really amazing case studies and success stories from sometimes like random niches and and like course creators who you wouldn't even think could create a course about their thing. From copper deficiency in goats to being an aerialist, for example, like there are so many different things. Have there been any new, really interesting stories or case studies from successful students who have gone through Teachable and have created courses and served their audience? This is my favorite thing about being at Teachable is just if you've ever had imposter syndrome of is my course going to be successful, I think that you should apply to work at Teachable so you can see all of the topics that are actually successful. But really, okay, so I'm going to think through some. Summer Oaks has many courses on houseplant masterclass. And this is, I think, very relevant. There's also uh, Mike Greenfield, who is uh, Sourdough University with Pro Home Cooks. So a lot of- Sourdough things, University? Oh, it is, Pat, I did it. Shameless plug, but it is incredible. It, I never thought I'd learn the science behind sourdough, but you know, it's helpful. Uh, oh, you, you took the course. I did, I did. That's awesome. It's, it, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like things that, you know, you maybe do every single day that come naturally to you, or maybe you show your kids how to do, or your family or your friends. And these are things that other people want to learn, but maybe don't have the opportunity to in their immediate, uh, like family or friend group. So yeah, houseplants, sourdough, there's sauna courses. So using like sauna therapy, understanding the best saunas to get, very specific. But I think my favorite, I don't know if I would call this a case study. I'm going to call this a, well, it, it is, it's like more of a success story, but Asad Chandri from 52 Cards, he has courses on card magic and teaching people different tricks. And it was a few years ago, time, what is time? But yeah, I think it was a few years ago, we did a video shoot and we brought in a few creators to New York and we told them that they were going to talk about their courses, which they did. 
What they didn't realize, though, is that we actually behind the scenes had reached out to some of their students and people that have taken their courses and the content to have them record videos to share really what the impact they have had on their life. Assad thought this was his impact. Uh, Benny Lewis thought this was his impact. But actually hearing it from the students and we just created this video and showed it to them. And I mean... I can send you the video after. It's incredible to see what people are saying. But the part of Assad's story that is mind-blowing is that we reached out to people. He watched the video. And at the end of the video, he just sits back and he's just silent. And he's silent because at the very end, there is a guy who ended up being the first magician to win India's Got Talent. He knew this guy. He knew of this guy. He had followed his journey. He had no idea that this man started off learning from Assad. So you just can't anticipate the impact you can have. It is not just about creating a life for yourself, but really seeing the the domino effect of you just stepping into this space to share what you're passionate about to help people get results. So that's definitely the one we were just bawling in there. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm welling up a little bit hearing about it. And being a course creator myself, I can relate to maybe not having one of my students win an entire nation's competition, but having people's lives change as a result of the work that we do now, you know, work hard now so we could reap the benefits later, but also so that others can benefit from the knowledge and the information and the experiences that you've had that you are now packaging into a course. And I'd love to, before I talk about the Creators Guild, which is so exciting, I want to talk about that and, and share where people can get more info about what that is and, and where to go. I want to ask you about the future of online courses. You had talked a little bit about this trend toward cohort-based courses. We've run a few as well, where you're sort of launching these things live. What else is coming in the future with relation to online courses and how they're going to, I mean, they're not going anywhere. In fact, more and more people today uh, than ever are absorbing online courses. What's coming? what should we be paying attention to? What should I be paying attention to and every other course creator here in terms of how to continue to serve our audiences with online courses and what maybe we don't see that maybe you do being on the front lines of it all? I've thought about this a lot. And I think that with 2020, 2021, we saw, I mean, specifically 2020, there was this huge spike in people creating courses. People who maybe would not have expected that they would be doing that or people with offline businesses and transition them online. What that means though, is that the industry just skyrocketed where it was going. You know, maybe this was going to happen over the course of three years or four years. And in one year, it was just like everyone was doing it. What that means is that there's so much more competition. There's so many more people in the space, you know, sharing their ideas, creating courses. And I use competition, not as in like competition, like we're butting heads, but competition as in as a consumer, there is so much out there. If I search for courses on painting your office desk, let's just say that there's probably courses on that. And so what that means is from the customer's perspective, there's a bigger step, there's a bigger jump to invest in a premium course right away. So if I'm going online and I'm seeing that there's three courses on, let's say cooking, there's one that is $500. It is worth $500. It is a premium course. This, this creator knows what they're doing. It is great. But there's also some other courses that are a little bit cheaper. Or I go through this website and I see that they only have one course that is $500. What I think is going to be really key for people to do is really start to think through, and I really don't like this term, but creating tripwires or creating smaller entry points for customers. 
because of that, like if someone has seen your videos and they're connecting with you, it's really great to offer a smaller piece of your course. That could be free. That could be, you know, a $20 ebook or checklist or whatever that is, but start to create a portfolio of products so people can start to eventually grow into your higher ticketed products. This is not taking away, and I still stand by having premium price courses, but if you really want to start to prepare yourself for, you know, kind of what is happening in this landscape, I think it's important that people are able to work with you sooner at a lower price point. You're not giving away your premium course for $20. That's not what I'm saying, but you are offering like those smaller pocket products as Susie Whitford also talks about to ensure that you're kind of opening yourself up for more people. I like that. I think people are definitely going to be more protective of spending so much money so quickly. So having a smaller dollar amount item for people to get used to your style and enjoying the way that you do what you do to show that you can actually provide value to them. And I always talk about the idea of the small, quick win in my book, Superfans. It's the idea of if a person finds you for the first time, how can you give them something that they haven't gotten before within 10, 15 minutes? That's like the tiniest bit of a win goes such a long way that you leap that yes ladder that we sometimes hear like yes small yes the bigger yes the biggest transaction yes a book could be that a mini course could be that a course an, an actual paid course the cool thing about that and the reason why the trip wire and i don't like that term either because that you know you trip a wire and then you explode we, we're not trying to you know cause any damage or anything but that idea that that starts this entire process and you have a buyer now and a buyer is a different kind of person than somebody who might absorb content for free and that's why that's important because that buyer if they see that there's a huge roi on the value that they've gotten from that small purchase the question in their mind is now wow what happens when i spend 500 dollars on this course now the value is going to be that much bigger I agree. And I think that's going to be important. I also feel like community is going to be an important component of these online courses as well. I'd love your thoughts on that. And I know that Teachable and Circle, for example, have a really good relationship with each other. We use Teachable and Circle together, not just for SPI Pro, which is our membership community, but also to have a cohort of students and people in a community who are taking our certain courses. They have access to what's called the SPI Academy and can connect with each other. And we had those once on a Facebook community. But with Circle, we have a little bit more control and it's just not on Facebook, which we like. But what are your thoughts on adding a community element? Any tips for anybody who is thinking about adding a community element on top of their digital course? Community is huge. And I think there's two factors to this. One is going through the same experience with someone, but also accountability. What I will say though, and this is only because I've seen many people start communities just because they're like, I need to start a community because everyone else is starting a community. You want to ensure that you're doing this and you have the bandwidth to maintain it. So communities are like, only because we're on the sourdough train, but communities are like your starter. So you have to continuously feed it for it to grow. If you just put flour and water into a jar, it might grow for a little bit, but then it stops. And this is the thing that maybe people miss or maybe don't think about before they start this. And what that can mean is that when you're feeding your community, it's not just, you know, posting questions, daily questions, but you actually being engaged in that community. And I think that's what is so magical, you know, specifically looking at your communities too, is that people are joining to connect with people who are on the same path. They're looking to connect with people who also want to achieve a certain goal, but they also want to connect with the instructor. They want to feel like they are part of this and they've got this coach or this mentor that is rooting them on the entire way. And so when you're creating a community, I think it's important to find ways to ensure you're 
personally responding to people if you can, if you're in a position to. If you have a huge community and you can't do that, at least doing some type of live Q&As where you address some of the questions and consistently showing up for people. So if you create a community and you're like, okay, in a perfect world, I want people to take my course and I want them engaged in my community every single day. I want them commenting first thing in the morning and last thing at night. But then you look at your own behavior and you're only showing up in that community every three days or once a week to post a prompt or a new video. People are going to follow your lead. If they see that you are in that community every single day, they're going to be like, okay, I should be in here every single day or I want to be in here every single day. And yes, that is a lot of work. Yes, that isn't always scalable, but that's why often if you have a smaller audience, you have an advantage because you really can be that direct point of contact. Yes, communities are great, but I always caution people by make sure that you're doing it when you have the space to fully commit to it because they are incredible, but only when they're done effectively. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Within our communities, they've grown to a point where I can't be there to respond to every comment or answer every question. So what we've done is we've had people who we brought on the team to help with that, you know, whether that's actual people that we've hired or promoting some of those members who, in fact, in the community are more active as moderators to just be there and continue to support that community. That's that's really helped out on the accountability level or the access to me level. I've been able to actually hold office hours once a week. And I've done this for the past four years. I've only missed a couple weeks for travel or if I've been sick. And this office hour that I have every week, and honestly, people tell me that even if it was every month, it would be worth it. But I like to show up because it gives me that connection to the audience and allows me to show them that I am here for them and I am showing up. But it also allows them for just a quick answer to a quick question, which could be the one question they need to get over that hump, right? And what's really cool that I find that happens in those Zoom calls is that people are connecting with each other in there and they're actually forming partnerships and creating friends within those groups as well. So it doesn't have to be an ongoing 24-7 thing. It could be something that can allow you to at least control your time a little bit more like these office hours that happen, but something on top of just the information alone could be of a huge value add and a great way to not just convince people who are thinking about getting in your course to get in your course, but a way to actually prove to people who are in the course that this is absolutely worth the value and that you are there for them. Thank, thank you for that. What is the Creators Guild? Let's let's finish off by talking about that. This is something that we've talked about. SBI has, in fact, promoted this a couple times before, and it's really, really cool. And I'd love to push people toward that. What is the Creators Guild? It's something Awesome Teachable has done. It really was this idea where we were talking with, like, we have really great relationships with so many people, like different brands, with our creators and We speak to our creators and course creators and entrepreneurs all the time. And what we were seeing, which as you can imagine, people aren't just using one platform. They're using a bunch of different platforms. And I think often with providers and brands, it's it's always like them promoting their product to their audience. And so we're like, well, wouldn't it be fun if we could reach out to the top brands that creators are using? And what if we created something where it was this hub for entrepreneurs or people who are wanting to start businesses and we could offer training? What if we could offer discounts and freebies? And it was just a small conversation that grew into this huge thing now. But really, we've joined forces with you, um, SPI Media, we have Entrepreneur Magazine, Pexels, Taylor Brands, Calendly, Course Teachable, and Best Self Co. And we've basically brought in incredible content. You should watch Pat's workshop all about uh, webinars and StreamYard too. It really is just access to the best possible price, 
you have access to freebies and gifts and really great training on different topics to help you grow your business. But I'm so excited and the response already has been uh, incredible. Awesome. Well, for those of you listening, we will create a pretty link for you that I'll share with you in just a moment that will allow you to go through and check it out. But people have been commenting about this after we shared it previously that it's massively helpful, just a, a really cool way for you to sort of step up as teachable to kind of create more things and bring people together that are actually useful to us. So I, I just want to say I appreciate that. And uh, it's really exciting to see more and more people coming together to help the creator economy, because we are in the middle of it now. And it's just been this term now that, you know, I think a lot of us and, and teachable included were sort of ahead of the times on for, for a while in terms of, hey, let's create and let's put this stuff online and let's make money from it and serve people at the same time. And now it's, it's like everybody's doing this now. So to your point earlier about the fact that there's a lot of competition is so key. So understanding about what you is your superpower and how you stand out and how you serve your audience and also building your audience and being your best self and putting yourself out there, all really key. And anytime you can get access to workshops and tools and companies like this, it's it, it can only do nothing but help. So thank you. And we'll share that link in just a moment. But any final words of advice for those in the audience who are creating courses? What would be your final hoorah for them before we send you off? I think, well, first, thank you so much for having me on here. This has been really fun. But I think like the parting words is there's so many creators that I speak to every single day that have ideas for things that have these, I mean, I'm sure there's so many people here listening. You're probably shaking your head. You're like, I've been sitting on my idea for two years. You know, I, I, I know what I want to do, but I haven't done it. And we often focus on us, like our fears. Like I say this all the time, but we focus on our fears, how people are going to perceive me. What are they going to think of me? And we completely eliminate the other side, which is the impact of what will I be able to do for other people? And if you think of the TED talk that you saw that changed how you viewed something or the course or the creator or something that completely changed the way that you live your life. If you imagine that those people stopped because they had 50 followers on Instagram or they were worried that they didn't have the right setup or they weren't great on video, you realize that the impact of you saying yes to this thing that you want to do, this feeling that is there and it is not going anywhere, is there for a reason. And I think that rather than giving yourself a chance to just launch your course, I think we need to give ourselves a chance. Let yourself try. Don't try to launch a successful course. Just try because that's the first step. And when you start to see those initial messages come in, when you start to see that one person that responds and says, I was able to do this with my family because of your course, you're going to start to see that. I wish I had said yes years ago, but the best time is now. Best time is now. Jess, thank you so much. Stick around. I'll share all the fun links for you in just a minute. But thank you so much for coming on as always. And we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Hopefully not every 250 episodes. Maybe we can get you in sooner again next week. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. All right, thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica Katork from Teachable, co-leading creator launch initiatives. She has been doing that since the middle of 2021. And before that, for four years, she was head of partnerships. We've just had an amazing relationship together. We have done a lot of filming and partnership type stuff and just can't wait 
to see what she does next because she's just doing amazing things. And so is Teachable. Teachable's we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Teachable. And so all the team members at Teachable, thank you, and Jess especially. We appreciate you. And again, all the links and everything we mentioned, including the Creators Guild, everything you can find on the show notes page that you can go to right now at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 521. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 521. All right, so what was the biggest thing you learned in this episode? There's a lot of takeaways, and I hope that even just one of these things you implement, you take action with, and you get some results from. Jessica, thank you once again. Thank you, the listener. I appreciate you for uh, spending some time with us today. And make sure to stick around because if you subscribe, you'll hear from me on Friday. We're gonna go a little bit deeper into course launching and give you some tactics and stuff too that you're gonna wanna make sure you don't miss. So again, that's coming on Friday in episode 522. Yeah, can't wait. Until then, take care. Thank you, peace out. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast at smartpassiveincome.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Sound editing by Duncan Brown. The Smart Passive Income Podcast is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. like to do this or that or even that and you want to stay with it emory's got your back or your shoulder or your hip or your knee our sports medicine specialists treat more world-class professional and college level athletes than anyone else in the state we'll treat you like a pro and get you back in play that's the emory difference make an appointment at emoryhealthcare.org sports Hello and welcome to Clever Conversations. I am your host, the Clever Bietch, but you can call me B. If your day has got you down and you really have zero fucks to give, because, you know, most days it's like that, well, then you're in the right place. So sit back, unless, of course, you're driving, then pay the fuck attention, or listen while you get the dishes done, or however you listen to podcasts, whatever floats your boat, and let's get this party started. Hey, welcome and good morning. Oh my goodness, what a great day it is today. I am so very excited that you guys are here joining us today. I have such a special guest that I am so excited to have on and uh, just been looking forward to this all week long. 
Let me tell you a little bit about her. Solette is an experienced businesswoman and soap maker uh, who recently decided to pair her passion for teaching and training with her love of soap making. She's recognized a gap in the soap making world. She believes she can fill with her shared knowledge and loving encouragement. While she's been 25 years into her business management career and five years into soap making, she's realized that there's some key differences that allow standard companies to align themselves with success. While handmade business owners we really struggle to get their businesses together. So one lesson of one course, one coaching session at a time, she's here to help soap makers and handmade business owners set their businesses up for success so that they can earn a paycheck from their passion. Welcome, please, my guest, Salette to Mount Campus. She is here. Good morning, Salette. Good morning, Bree. I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. I am so happy to have you here. You bring so much to the table. Um, we're talking about the easy button today. Um, tell me, tell me something. Tell me what are you? What do you think some of the problems are that you see business owners facing? The small business owners facing today. So the biggest problem that I have seen, just from the conversations that I've had with um, with some of the wonderful business owners in my in my um, in my free group and talking to other people in other groups, I'm seeing that structure and systems is the biggest problem that handmade and home-based business owners have. And the reason for that is, you know, with most companies, when you when you decide that you're going to start up, you're going to put together a, a new a new company, a new business, right? You start off with you know, your target audience, your business plan, all of this other stuff, you kind of build your business around your plan, around your idea. But that's not the case for a lot of homemade business owners. You know, we have a um, a hobby that we enjoy doing. We, we work our hobby. We sell. We give our things to family and friends who love it, fall in love with it, and say, you should start a business. And so what a lot of handmade and, and homemade business owners do is they, they transition from hobby straight into selling without building a plan, without, um, you know, building a foundation for their business. But these people are not professional business people. They're not, um, you know, sales uh, folks. They, they just love doing what they do, and they just want to make a living from doing it. But without the systems um, to support that, it's really, really difficult to scale and to grow. So that's the, that's the problem I see them facing, yeah. I think that's a big thing because we look at it, um, I know for myself as a soap maker, um, I started doing it, and I really had no idea. Like, I was just worried about learning how to make soap. I spent mm -hmm. I spent a year learning, just working under, as an apprentice, basically um, learning the craft. And mm -hmm. we never, we never focused on the business side of things. I was just worried about yeah. like the actual, how am I doing this? And then of course, you know, YouTube came along and all these different new styles and things changed. And I had to learn a whole bunch of new things and, um, you know, all the new techniques and fun stuff. Cause everything got real fancy on us all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> and, and I never, we never spent any of our time. Like I just never 
I was just wing. I guess I was just winging it really pretty much when it came to business. I still find myself in that situation where I try to be the only one. I know. And that's the thing. I think there's so many small, especially when it's a craft business um, Mm -hmm. and we're just trying to start out. Where do we start? Where do we go? How do we do things? And um, I think it's, it's, there's a lot of hurdles um, in, in our way. What, what, what has been your biggest hurdle um, that you've had to face? Uh, me personally, uh, my biggest hurdle, believe it or not, was choosing my target. Um, because, you know, remember, I have like the, 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 a little bit of the business background, so I knew some of the systems that I needed to put in place for my own business, but I still needed a coach, right? So I, I hired a coach years ago, and I learned um, a lot of the things that I didn't know because my focus is business management and all of this other stuff, so I've had to learn to add marketing um, to, to that and systems management. I have to, to add that. Um, so the biggest hurdle that I'm seeing for other from uh, for other um, handmade business owners, other soap makers, um, hobbyists, is that they don't believe that they have a hurdle. Um, it's, true. It's, it's been it's been the mindset. They don't believe that they need a system because they believe that they already have one. So the biggest hurdle I've had. Um, you know, since since acquiring this business is getting people to understand that there is so much that you don't know that you don't know. You don't exactly. know what you don't know. Just like there's still so much that I don't know that I don't know. So I leave myself open. So even at this point right now, um, I have two coaches myself because, and they are very, specific targeted coaches, one to help me really drill down on the right systems uh, to make different types of businesses successful. So what I do is I'm taking everything that I'm learning, applying it to my business, putting it to work, but I'm also flipping everything so that it works for a product-based business also. Because some of the systems that are in place for some of the larger companies, a home-based business doesn't need them. But you still need to know how to do some of the some of the the the, the parts of that um, that particular um, system. So I'm bringing all of that to them. So my biggest hurdle really truly has been to convince people that, or to to inform folks that, unfortunately, what you know is only a tiny portion of what you need to know in order to scale and be successful. Exactly. So you're actually, you know, and giving us that expertise. I mean, we could yes. technically, I mean, we, we could spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours uh, trying upon to figure years. out what we don't know. Upon years. Yes, upon years. Upon um, years. Trying to figure out what we don't know. And you're giving us an easy button. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today is this easy button. You're our, you're, you can be our easy button. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm technically the easy button. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect easy button by, by no stretch of the imagination, but I am an easy button that is, um, that is constantly growing, changing, um, you know, be, um, um, becoming more fortified with, with skills and knowledge. And the thing about me is if I know it, everybody else got to know it too. Um, and so I'm, <clears throat> I'm constantly building myself up 
so that I, I'm, I can stay on top of all of the newest, most relevant information for business so that, you know, I can kind of give, I kind of call us the handmade business people, the homemade uh, business people. We're the underdogs. And I want to give the underdogs a fighting chance. So, Absolutely. yeah, marketing mastery for soap makers is the easy button. I think we need an easy button. Listen, you know what? I I think that <laughs> haven't we like been made to feel bad? Oh, there is no easy button. And I don't think that that what you're saying is it's 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 going to be an easy process. I think that oh, it's going to require us to do work. But yeah. um I we feel bad that like someone says it's an easy button, but basically you're cutting out all that extra time and the months and years that we would waste, which we don't have, by the way. If we're trying to create products at the same time, who has like, what do you sleep in an hour? Maybe if you're lucky a day, but so you're, you're kind of, you're giving us that easy button because you're honing in on what we need to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are we, why are we we meant to feel bad about that? I feel like, like, oh, there's no easy button. Why are we meant to feel bad about trying to find the easy button or using the easy button? Well, the people who are um, likely trying to make us feel bad about using an easy button are people who have never tried to do what we're doing, right? So the the problem that a lot of, of I've noticed a lot of people have is that they care so much about what other people think or what other people think of them. And I am of the mindset that I don't give a fuck. If yeah. you are not... If you're not screwing me, if you're not paying my bills, if you are not supporting my lifestyle, you have no say in what I do and how I do it. And there are so many tools out there. There are so many things. So let me take Canva, for example, right? I remember when I first started using Canva, and you know they have all of these templates. So I would grab a template, and instead of just changing maybe the colors on it, because I love the template, but I have to be creative. I have to be, you know, the I'm a creative, so there's no way I can use something else somebody else would put together. Bullshit. Right? Somebody took the time and put that together. You see it. You like it. It's available for you to use. Friggin' use it. Change the colors in, in the template, for example, to your brand colors, and then go do something else with your life, something that's actually going to be more closely connected to the money that is in your company. This is how I'm looking at it, because me sitting at my computer for 12 hours, um, you know, playing around with a Canva template uh, so that I can sell a bar of soap for $14 is so wasteful with regards to time, right? Because your time equals money. So if I'm going to spend seven hours to work on a template for something I'm going to sell for $14, where the hell is the value in that? Somebody else already did it. So I'm going to take what they did, customize it to myself, and then, you know, move on with my day. Go do something else. Absolutely. And I do. I love Canva. Yeah, Yeah, I love Canva. And I do use it. Um, it's been a lifesaver because it's super easy and I can create whatever mm-hmm. I want super fast. And I do use templates a lot too, because I do like having yep. that, that time saver. I think that's what, what we have to value too, because a lot of times I've heard soap makers. Um, so I speak specifically of, and so do you with soap makers, because that's our field. Mm-hmm. That's what we get, what we're into. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, mm-hmm. we want to, we undervalue what we do. We don't price things right. Yes. We're not, yeah. Because we're not understanding the time, but we also don't want to spend that time because we, we're we also flooded with ideas. So how many, I mean, how many ideas I get in my head every day? I want to do this. I want yeah. to do that. And that's just on the, on the creative side. Shiny object syndrome. 
Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. We get sucked into, oh, squirrel. I am, <laughs> yes, I am such a squirrel. Holy shit, am I a squirrel. It's terrible. I And then I learned about, I just learned, I got, I've been getting into TikTok. I'm working on my TikTok today. Yeah. Part of my projects. Yeah. I've been doing it for the last yeah. couple of days learning. And boy, can I, can three hours just slip by me? I'm just it's like, really wow. Nice. There's yeah. a waste of my time. Very so that's quickly, what we have yeah. That's that's what we have to learn is how to spend the time on the things that we enjoy doing that are part of our business and yeah. use that easy button on the things that we don't we don't need to waste our time on and take advantage Please. of the fact that precisely we have to we have to not it's just we need to put our time which is our money into the things that mm-hmm. that bring us rewards and so mm-hmm. um, that's. And that's what you're doing. So what is, explain to us what marketing mastery for soap makers is and why do you think, I mean, it, it can pretty much help other, any small business owner, craft business owner. That's, that's correct. Uh, so the way that I'm, the way that I'm setting up uh, this company, so marketing uh, mastery for soap makers is an educational business. So I, I'm creating courses and I provide coaching uh, services for marketing and business implementation uh, systems for each individual's business. So right now, I am working with clients one-on-one. Um, I will be adding group coaching into the mix very soon, and I will also be probably adding, uh, um, just, well, not probably, I will be adding more and more lessons. Um, so I'm creating courses for some of the very basic systems that um, every business owner needs to have in their in their company, like for example, courses on how to price your product, uh, how to choose your target audience. I just finished a um, a workshop on how to how to find your dream customers, your your target audience, and that's available in the shop. And it is, oh my God, I, I feel bad for all of my um, for uh, well, I had some I had some technical difficulties during during that particular process, but there's a three hour and a half long um, sessions of me just workshopping, you know, the how to get your dream customers. Plus, there's a course book, there's worksheets. So I'm building out all of these courses to give people everything that they need so that they can learn what they want either on their own and then if they need help they can then hire me as an implementation coach and i can help them customize what they've learned and how to apply it to their business specifically right so and i'm also creating these uh, courses so that any business owner can take what they need from it because the systems are basically the same right marketing is marketing um, you know, accounting is accounting. Um, finding your target audience is the same for a soap maker as it is for, uh, you know, a Fortune 500 company. It's just that you have to customize it for yourself. So you use, you take the knowledge and then you custom, you drill down and then you customize it for your own business. And that's what I help people do. I give the information and then if you need help, I can help you implement it. Absolutely. I, I feel like I just kind that, of uh, ran. No, that's... And, you know, I want to I touch on one more thing that you said when you asked me the last question about the easy button, sure. about, you know, uh, about people's pricing. And I, I truly believe in my core that one of the reasons that soap makers 
underpriced for their products and other business owners, handmade business owners, is because somebody told them that, oh, my God, this is too expensive. I can get that cheaper at X, Y, and Z. And what we need to start to learn how to do is tell these people, then go ahead. Go ahead. This was not for you then, right? This was not created. If you think that what I took all this time to make cost too much, right? If if my soap at $9 is too much for you, right, but a soap at Macy's at $45 is not, then that's okay, right? You're undervaluing what I'm doing, and you're adding value to something that is factory produced. If this is what you want to do, by all means, go ahead. But there are so many people who will appreciate the work that I have done, and they appreciate the craftsmanship and want to support small businesses. So those are the people I'm going after. This is the reason why it's so important to know your target audience, because if you know your target audience, if you know your dream customers, you never have these conversations. Because they know they're your dream people. They're following you. So they know what you have to offer. Absolutely. I wanted to to just touch on that really fast. Yeah. No, it's very true. And I get that a lot. And I, you know, you kind of do get a thick skin. I've got a, I've got one of my first craft shows of the season. I'm not doing as many this year just due to some health reasons, but um, I do have a show on, on Saturday and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you talk to a lot of people and they'll stop by and then they'll, they'll see, pri- I always put pricing out and they'll see pricing and they're yeah. like, eh, you know, you can just tell. And I'm like, Hey, that's okay. You have to be thick skin yeah. and go, that's all right. You're not my people. That's okay. And then I'll walk that's in and right. I'll see someone will come in and I'll look at them and I go, Oh, I can just tell that's my people right there. I know yeah. these guys yeah. are going to want what I have yeah. and they're going to understand yeah. the value that they're getting. And from what they're supporting, not just supporting small business as much as I love to do that. Um, and I, yeah. and I see so many of it. I do see um, kind of a, a variance with people's demeanor when it comes to small business owners compared to MLM companies, the multi-level yeah. marketing yeah. companies. And yeah. um, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of stuff I see. Uh, people aren't so crazy about them, but I, I, I kind of try to remind people um, they do have quality. The MLMs have great products too. You know, I do use mm-hmm. some of those things. I have been a part of the MLM world. I currently am mm-hmm. not very much anymore, um, mm-hmm. just because I mm-hmm. had to focus on what I could do and what's important to me. But um, mm-hmm. I always thought owning a vacation home was hard work, from finding guests to just maintaining it. But with Vacasa, they put my vacation home to work for me, caring deeply for my home in every way. Best of all, since switching from my last property manager, Vacasa has been earning us over 20% more. Because it's not just a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home. Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 470-900-4828 or visit vacasa.com slash free dash estimate. I think that there, there's value in all, in all of these things. But the... But I notice that some people will just be like, well, I'll just go buy this. And and, and maybe you're saving a dollar or two um, from what yeah. I have to offer. But it's okay. You're not my people. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with That's letting right. them just keep moving. And maybe you're going to – and I have other customers that, where are you going to be? i got to come buy some stuff. I really need to fill my yeah. Christmas shopping yeah. list. And they'll seek me out. And so it's okay. There's a balance there, and you have to be okay. But don't Absolutely. undervalue you know, I remember I was when yeah. I first started. I was selling soap for five dollars a bar. That's how I started. Yeah. Five bucks a bar yeah. was a nice, easy number. I hate making change. 
please don't make me yeah. have to pull out dollar bills and quarters. I don't do that. <laughs> I try to keep it $5, $10. Let's do three for 20 or, you know, whatever it is that, you, that I can do. And I actually started making shampoo bars this year, which I've absolutely fallen in love with. Yeah. It was a whole new world for me because, you know, those are ingredients that if you're a soap maker, you don't necessarily have in stock. Yeah. Um, because it's, yep. a, it's a completely different thing. So it was a big risk for me to get out there and do those. Yep. But I've been selling them yep. like crazy. So, and I just kind of look at like, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to be more expensive, but you're going to, you're going to get something that's quality. And I always do organic. True. I do organic in everything that I possibly can. And mm-hmm. so you have to reach the people. And that's what you're talking about. Target audience. You have to reach the person Absolutely. that is looking for those things that values those things, organic and the clean products and, you know, like little to no waste and, you know, all those things. Um, You have to find the you have to find the customers who align with your vision, your mission, your core values, right? Your values, because your core values become your company's core values. And so if you can connect with people based on those types of, 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 of points and those types of, of, of things that, that really tie into you, you will now selling to these folks is going to be like a dream because if yeah. you're make if you know who they are and you're making things for them and you're making things that they tell you they want, they're going to buy your stuff. And then they're going to bring other people who are just like them to your company and so on and so on and so on. Right. And you need, and that's a good thing well, because referrals are one of the best and they tell you that in any situation yeah. you, you referrals are some of the best things that you can get and you build it slowly and you grow your audience once you've honed in on what that target audience is but these are some of the That's things correct. that because i'm a creative so my my focus is on the creative side of things and not on the the mm-hmm. skill sets um so this program that you're offering now this starts saturday correct am i am i right it starts saturday uh, so it's a, it's a course that I'm doing on Saturday, a workshop. It's called uh, the Simple Sales System. And, yes, it does start on Saturday. I'll, I'll be doing the workshop Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And people can still sign up for this, correct? Oh, yeah. It's on and the website, kind of, for sure. Okay. And what kind of skill set are they going to be getting from this? And what, what are they going to – what what are they what are they what do you bring into them that they're gonna just just get, tease us with a few little things give us a little tiny taste of what sure. they can expect. Okay, so what everybody who attends can ex- um, accept expect is a um, five different strategies for selling your handmade products without uh, taking out ads and without spending any money to do it. The only money you should be spending is the money for the course, which is $47 as an early bird, and then it's going to $297, which is its regular price. Um, but the only thing you should be spending is the $47 for, for the course, and then I teach you how to now go get some customers without having to spend any more money with regards so, to that. And I'm, so and we I'm can showing sell. five different strategies. That's, and we can start selling what we have right now. Absolutely. Everything on your shelf. So the reason I wanted to do this particular course, right, because I'm kind of building all of these things out, and this is going to actually become like a full program because I see such a need for it. Um, 
when I'm talking to people and, and, and I'm letting them know, you know, what the things that I have to offer, the things that they need, the, one of the biggest things I hear is I'm not making enough money in order to be able to do this. I don't have enough money. I'm not making enough. And it doesn't really um, make sense for me to spend this much money for coaching. And I have to still work on earning money for my, um, you know, for my sales. So I said, okay, so looks like the biggest thing that I need to work on, apart from getting people to choose their target audience, is teaching them some easy strategies for selling. So I can't, it started out as just three, Brie. And as I, as I started writing and writing and writing and creating the outline, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show them this too. So then it became four, and now it's five. So the beautiful thing about this particular one, only for the, these early bird folks, is as I build out the program later on, and it moves beyond 297 to four something to a thousand something, they will get all of the the new things that I'm dropping in there, all of the build outs for this program as it be, as it goes from a course to a program, they will get all of those build outs already in there for the price that they paid. And the reason for that is I'm a big I'm a new company. They're trying to learn. I'm trying to get um, testimonials. I'm trying to get people to test out these systems that I know is going to work. So what better way than to offer it at this ridiculous low price, right, and get them to come in and try it out and test it out and fall in love with it, and then I'm going to get all the testimonials that I, that I want. I have no doubt about that. Because I agree. These, these things work. I tested out one of these systems for one of one of the strategies um, for some of my leftover soap stock as I was writing this stuff out uh, because these are strategies that are used by service-based businesses, right? So service-based coaches are teaching this to other service-based businesses like coaches and stuff like that that they're that they're teaching. But I don't see product based businesses using these strategies or even knowing how to how to put it all together. I mean, I see them touching on them here and there, but they're not doing it in a way that's really structured. And so I'm bringing the structure to these sales systems uh, for for handmade business owners. And so I tested out one of the I tested out one of the the systems and I sold out of my products before I could finish it. My word. Like That's I, phenomenal. I literally sold everything. <laughs> yeah, I have new things curing on my rack so that I can use the other <laughs> so I can use the other strategies. That's good though. That's what we want, right? I mean I still have yes. some Halloween I, I I learned to only make one Halloween soap, but I still got some soap to sell. I mean plus all my yes. holiday stuff that's about to, to release. But you know, and people don't understand when we start talking holidays, we're planning this yeah. in June. We're we're in June yes. thinking, What am I making? Because yes. it because of the cure yes. time on soap and all the yep. other things we yep. and, and it how slow ordering is. Oh my word, let's not even get into that yeah. right now. How it, how slow yeah. everything is. But here's something that I really oh. admire about you. This is something that that just uh, I I really look up to you for, and something that you just oh recently God. announced. Mm-hmm. You just announced this. Um, you just quit your job, didn't you? I did. Ooh, I sure you're did. walking the walk and talking the talk, girl. What is I, going I on really with that? So, you know, I've been doing. Um, I'm a I'm a, a, a community manager. Uh, for this uh, for this housing uh, company, 
and I have managed this. This property is really beautiful, 306 units, wonderful people, great staff, everything, right? And I have loved teaching and training and seeing and sending people out into the world who have, you know, a very strong foundation. And there is not one person I've ever trained that had any trouble getting another job or another um, similar um, gig paying way more uh, because of the skills that they learned from me. So what I really love is teaching. I really love sharing information. And what I have noticed now is that my daytime job is taking time away from the business I'm building. And this is where my passion lies. My passion lies with sharing information and teaching others. And I want to dedicate myself 100% to doing that because the people who are counting on me to get the information to grow their businesses, you know, can't just sit around twiddling their thumbs while I have time, while I find time to create these courses. I need to get them out in rapid fire speed. So now I'm going to do that. I'm going to dedicate myself 100% to this business. That it is, is scary amazing. as hell. I'm going to tell I don't recommend anybody do this until you are, <laughs> you know, you've built out your plan. But, you know, sometimes you have to, I'm telling everybody to take a leap of faith, to believe in their abilities and all of this stuff. So I have to walk that same walk. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's one of the things that's really hard is moving forward. How do we, how do, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times we're scared shitless. How do we, how do we do it afraid? How do we, how do we do this? What, like that was such a big leap for you. It It was. You have to just decide. You open your mouth. You say the words, and the the minute it starts to come out, you can't pull it back in anymore. You have to. So this is the whole thing about what uh, the differences between the entrepreneurs who are going to succeed and the entrepreneurs who are going to kind of remain kind of small and 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 just kind of lurking in the shadows of the bigger entrepreneurs is that they they're afraid. They acknowledge the fear. They acknowledge, I am scared shitless, and then they do it anyway. Yep. Because there's, no there's no other way around it. There's no other way around it because eventually your fear will talk you out of doing the thing that you know that you need to do. You know, you've calculated the risk. You know how much it's going to cost for you to make a living. This is what I did. I know how much it costs for me to pay my bills. I know how much it's this, but I also know the potential of my business. Right, and the potential of my business is so much greater than the than what I'm doing for somebody else to make them hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, because exactly. the hundreds of millions of dollars I'm making for the board or for the people who own the 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 corporation that I that I manage. When I say that a tiny minuscule fraction of that goes into my pocket by way of a paycheck. And an That's annual right. bonus is just not worth it. I could do all of the same thing for myself, and then the profits then come to me. And so this is what I want to teach other creatives. There is so much talent within you that you are renting out to somebody else for a price. Now imagine retargeting, refocusing that talent towards your own business. And then learning how to leverage. I am such a big fan of leveraging. You have to leverage other things around you. If there's somebody who knows accounting that who can teach you, leverage that. 
at the company that you're in right now, if there are, look at all of the different departments and go and talk to all of the people in the different departments and find out how are you doing this? If, 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 what is a simple version of what you're doing? And then adopt that to your business. What's a simple version of that system? Adopt it to your business. You know, you have to learn how to leverage all of the things that are around you. And hiring a coach is actually leveraging. Also, um, taking a course is leveraging. Going onto YouTube is also leveraging, but what a lot of people don't realize is YouTube will a lot of times show you the the what and the why, but they won't deep dive into the how. And That's this is true. why you really have to dedicate hours and weeks and months of your time to learning the how. Because once you know the what, now what? I can tell you. Right? Like, I can tell you right now that one of the strategies I'm going to teach on the simple sales system on Saturday is how to use sweepstakes to your advantage. Right? How to use, um, um, I'm sorry, giveaways, not sweepstakes. How to use giveaways as a strategy. How to use, um, you know, messaging people as a strategy. Right? How to, how to bring um, people's friends into your world as a strategy. Those are three of the strategies I'm going to teach. Right? I just told you the what, so now how? Exactly. The how is what, is what people are going to show up for on Saturday. I'll tell you the what all day long, but then for the how, this is how I earn my living, right? And That's so right. I have to be able to value myself as well and say, okay, I have this, and I want to teach it to people, but I still have to earn a living. Absolutely. All so right, I'm I'm excited, and I can't wait. I'm I'm signed yeah. up. Count me in. I'm already know. in. You know it. You know I'm signed up. You know I'm I ready. know you are. <laughs> so what if people? Okay, what if people want to sign up? Where do they go? What do they do? How do they find you? Okay, go to www.marketingmasteryforsoapmakers.com, and then look for the simple sales system. I only have six things live on the on the shop right now and also join the free resources lounge because I drop a lot of free things in there um, that I don't, that I will not necessarily put in the group. So, and that's a free thing to, to join. That's amazing. So I know you do free stuff in there. Soap makers. Yeah. That it's, it's amazing. And that's our easy button. Cause you're, you're going to be that's my easy button. button. You're, you're now my easy yeah, button. I'm happy. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love, love that. it. Cause you know what? Thank Otherwise you. I just sit here and, and I keep running into the same wall. I do that over and over and over again until I realize yeah. that I got to figure out a better way. That's, that's I think, one of our biggest hangups. Is, and we get stubborn. I'm a stubborn old girl. I feel yeah. older than yeah, – I, I just had a birthday, and I feel older than dirt now. So I'm like, oh, happy, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, how, like, how old are you? 60? I'm like, oh, not, not yet. Not yet. Don't get me there yet. But I feel, I feel 60 and I, I hope I look 40. That's kind of been my goal. Hey, that's the, that's the way to, that's the way to live. That is the way to live. Yeah. That's that's using the good, the good uh, organic products. That's what it is. There's a cheap sell for my Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Put good stuff in and good stuff will come out. That's right. You know, and that's, that's right. what that's what I'm doing. This is my this is this is what I enjoy. Like the things that I'm actually doing now is what I really enjoy. I enjoy learning all of this stuff. Like I'm constantly, um, constantly learning new things. Constantly, uh, to the point that I think I drive my boyfriend crazy because he's like, "Oh my God, it's Sunday, take a break." And I'm like, "You don't understand. This is relaxing for me." 
It is. I have to always know. Like, I'm the type of person I will look at a frame or anything, and I, and I will deconstruct it with my brain. Like, how did they put that together? Yep. And it's how I am with everything. I see something, I got to deconstruct it, and then I'm going to be like, okay, I know how to do it now. Let me show you. That's me. I know. We're the ones that walk <laughs> in and we see stuff, and we're like, oh, I can make that. And we do. Oh, yeah. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm making that myself. I know how to do that. So, yeah. oh, yeah. It's it's the way it is. Hey, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. It has been an absolute blast. The time has flown by. I uh, know. Yeah. So fast, so fast. So you'll have to come back and share some more with us uh, uh, coming up I here will. soon so we can hear hear where you're at and how it's going. And good luck. Uh, final day on Friday, stop thank lifting you. big boxes because I know that puts yep. you in the hospital. Don't be doing that. Yep. Got no yeah, time I promise I won't. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, you can find out more information if you go to the links that I've put on the uh, description of this podcast. So I thank you. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. I, this was really fun. It was. It was <laughs> thank a good time. you. I enjoyed it. All righty. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you all for joining me today. I hope you had as much fun as I did and maybe learned a few things along the way, too. A big, huge thank you to my co-host for joining me today. For more information, you can check the links in the description of this podcast. I'll be back next week with more joy, love, and laughter. And until then, I would be honored if you would give me a like. And if you're so inclined, even a follow. You can join me over on my Patreon page for Monday Morning Coffee, where I share some really fucking deep thoughts on the week ahead. Plus, you can become part of my community and win some fun prizes for me as well. Thanks again for listening. And remember, find some joy and laughter today. Ciao. The holidays are doubly important this year, so make your celebrations doubly special. At Kroger, we've got a huge selection of high-quality meats on top of fresh, natural produce, like fresh, never-frozen prime-grade beef and our Simple Truth Organic Brussels sprouts, or delicious king crab legs with our private selection gourmet potatoes. Whew, had to say that doubly fast. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, save on the food you love. Shop today and save 50 cents on each participating item when you buy 10 or more with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. episode please leave us a review on itunes Ted Talks Daily. I'm your host, Elise Hugh. 
Dads should be taking time off after a new baby is born because paternity leave benefits everyone, including businesses. Author and feminism advocate Shu Matsuo Post makes that case from an episode of our video series, The Way We Work. You wouldn't put your teen athlete on the same field as the pros, so why would you take them to the same doctor? Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Orthopedics and Sports Medicine is Georgia's only nationally ranked program for teen athletes. Visit today at choa.org slash teens. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from WISE, the smart way to move money internationally. Do you ever send money or shop online overseas or receive money from abroad? I certainly do, and that's why I personally use WISE, and so should you. It is a one-stop shop for all your international banking needs. WISE always gives you the real exchange rate for a super low fee, so you get to hang on to more of your money when it crosses borders. WISE is like a permanent promo code for sending, spending, and receiving money internationally. And their transfers are super fast, too. I will vouch for that. Nearly 40% arrive instantly. So whether you're making your first international transfer or your hundredth, WISE always lets you do it cheaper and faster. And with the WISE multi-currency account and debit card, you can avoid high foreign transaction fees. No one likes that when you shop overseas, online, or in-store. Join 10 million people and businesses, one of them is me, and try WISE for free at WISE.com slash talks. That's WISE.com. Slash talks. I remember the day. My wife was three months pregnant, and I knew that I wanted to take time off. But when I walked in to ask my boss, I was so nervous. I was about to ask for seven months of paternity leave, and I just didn't know how my boss would react to that. Like most men in Japan, I grew up being told that masculinity is supposed to look a certain way. You're supposed to be stoic and strong, dominant and in control, the breadwinner for your family. But when I met my wife, she challenged me on that. She pushed me on thinking that men should always pay for dates, on assuming that women should always do the childcare. Japan offers both mothers and fathers 12 months of paid parental leave. It's been ranked number one in the world in terms of length and compensation for paternity leave. But here's the crazy thing. In 2020, only about 7% of fathers took it. And of that 7%, three quarters took a leave of two weeks or less. With pressure at work, most Japanese men just aren't at home during this pivotal time. And that's a shame, because paternity leave, it benefits everyone. Here is why normalizing it is so important. I believe deeply in gender equality. I took my wife's last name and even wrote a book about it. And still, I was terrified asking for paternity leave. I'd heard of bosses denying the request, or questioning their employees' masculinity. I was scared that, in asking for time off, I might be replaced or left behind. But my boss? He accepted my request right away, which made me feel so valued. And it let me focus on what was most important, my family. I can't describe how much joy I got seeing my newborn son each day. I especially loved my early morning shifts with him, so his mom could sleep in. When he was a newborn, we'd just cuddle on the couch. And when he got a little bigger, he became my best workout buddy as a cheerleader during my morning runs in his stroller or as a human dumbbell for squats and bicep curls. I feel so close to my son now. And it's not just me. Men who take paternity leave experience a stronger bond with their babies. Research shows that the longer the paternity leave, the more engaged the father is in the first few years of a child's life. 
I was shocked to learn that over half of all U.S. fathers report feeling dissatisfied with the amount of time they spend with their children. Paternity leave is a chance to change that. My relationship with my wife also deepened on my leave. We went on a walk together every day, and I became a better cook and cleaner because I was able to spend more time on household duties, which made her happy. In a McKinsey and Company survey, 90% of fathers who took paternity leave say it improved their relationship too. This happens along a few different dimensions. First, because you gain a whole new respect for what's involved in childcare and housework, and it makes you step up and take on more. And by being home, you're providing emotional support. Statistics show that when a mother's partner is involved, especially in the first few weeks after birth, it reduces the risk of postpartum depression significantly. But this is really just a start because paternity leave is also good for business. Paternity leave can have a profound impact on gender equality in the workforce. There's an inherent imbalance if women take childcare leave and men don't. Working mothers are often juggling two full-time jobs, one at work and one at home. Many don't return to the workforce or decide to take reduced roles. By taking paternity leave, men can give women more options and even boost their ability to rise into leadership roles. A study in Sweden showed that for every month of parental leave taken by the father, the mother's earnings increased by approximately 7%. It's interesting to note that 90% of female students in Japan say they'd want their future partner to take parental leave, and nearly 80% of men entering the workforce here, and I suspect in other countries too, say they want to take paternity leave. For employers to have that open, inclusive culture where paternity leave is respected, that can help companies attract and retain the best talent. Workers are increasingly choosing the companies based on the culture. This is a space where any company can give themselves a boost. I've been back at my job for about three months now, and I can already tell you, I feel so much more productive. I'm very focused and always looking for ways to be more efficient so I can get home to my family. I've heard this from many mothers coming back from maternity leave too, and studies confirm 80% of companies that offer paid family leave report a positive impact on morale, and 70% notice a boost in productivity. It's a positive for any company. And that brings me to my final point paternity leave is good for society. Paternity leave is one of the big steps we can make in giving partners the opportunity to share the work both at home and at work. It's one of our best bets to bridge the gender gap overall. Research shows that when that gender gap gets smaller, people report higher life satisfaction. Iceland, Norway, and Finland rank top three in the global gender gap index, and over 70% of fathers take paternity leave. And if you take a look at their ranking in the World Happiness Report, they're very, very high. This might be a coincidence, but I don't think so. That freedom to be yourself and make choices without gender expectations, it feels really good. We live in a patriarchy. And what I've realized is that the same world that systematically favors men, it's also trapping us in a cage. We need more countries to set up systems that allow all parents to take paid childcare leave, to give everyone new options. We need to build a culture that encourages and values men as caretakers, because we can do it too. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.
Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.